Greetings and hello, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to episode 102 of the Backseat Directors Podcast. And boy, do we have a great episode planned for you guys today. We will be joined by Ryan Nevin, Mikey Hidalgo, and the formal review to break down the very exciting news that happened last week regarding the release of Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League that will eventually debut on HBO Max in 2021. We will also discuss what this might mean for the DCEU moving forward and the impact it might have on the industry as a whole. Ryan and I will also get into a discussion of some of the movies we've watched recently. So, uh, yeah, get ready for that. It's a fun one. Uh, But listeners, again, thank you so much for downloading today's episode. I cannot tell you how much I really do appreciate your support. Uh, and, And if this podcast really does mean anything to you, if you enjoy the podcast, just tell your friends and family about us. We'd love for you to share your love of movies and of backseat directors. If you haven't left us a review yet, please just go ahead and take one minute and leave us a review on iTunes or whichever platform that you might be listening backseat uh, to uh, be listening to backseat directors on. Um, and we're available on every major podcasting platform, not just Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but Stitcher and and really any other podcast platform. But um, follow us on online on social media. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, I'm usually most active on Twitter, um, but yeah, really any of those three uh, platforms you can find us on. And if you want to reach out to me directly, just send me an email. My email address is Andre at BackseatDirectors.com. That's spelled A-N-D-R-E, Andre at BackseatDirectors.com. Now let's get on with this show. Ryan, what's going on, my friend? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, we've got a lot to discuss today. And I kind of want to get right to it because uh, later on in the podcast, we're going to invite our friends, the formal review and Mikey onto the show to discuss, obviously the big news of the day, which was, um, uh, well, uh, the big news from last week, uh, that we're, we're catching up on now, uh, was the real, uh, the announcement of the release of Zack Snyder's justice league. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but obviously as, uh, per usual, uh, our podcast, we always kind of talk about some of the things that we've been watching recently. Um, I I have not been watching that many movies uh, recently because my wife, my, my wife enjoys, t- she enjoys movies, but I think she, she enjoys TV shows more because, one, because when you invest in a TV show, you can watch an episode or two and then decide if you want to keep going, right? And so, um, but we, she's been wanting to, to, uh, uh, to get into a new show and she's never seen breaking bad, but I've seen breaking bad and neither of us have seen better call Saul. And I knew better call Saul is a prequel, you know, like a spinoff prequel to uh, breaking bad. And so I assumed you probably didn't need to watch breaking bad to watch better call Saul. And since all the seasons are on Netflix, I'm like, Hey, let's watch that. And that's honestly, man, that's honestly all we've been watching. So I, I barely been watching any movies. We just been, we we're on season three right now of Better Call Saul, and uh, I gotta say, the show's pretty good. I, I think you've oh, mentioned... Oh, Better Call Saul's you, amazing. And I, this might be controversial. I kind of want to... I mean, obviously, Backseat Directors, we focus uh, on movies and we do TV shows, uh, but every now and again, I don't mind bringing up a TV show, but uh, I, I feel like I need to put out a poll on Twitter or Instagram or something and find find out what people's thoughts are, but I honestly have been enjoying Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad, and I know Breaking Bad is a great show, and the writing is is incredible, but I think it's the character that I enjoy more. I, I think Better Call or, or Saul or Jimmy Jimmy McGill um, is a better character 
than Walter White. So I know that might be controversial, but I have really been enjoying the show. No, it's uh, it's it is brilliant, um, and I see where you're coming from. Sometimes I find myself thinking the same, but I then kind of have to think: is it because it just feels more fresh? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes no recency bias. Though, yeah, definitely plays a factor into that. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, it is it is brilliant. If it it's definitely on par with with Breaking Bad for me, whether it's better or not. But I do, yeah, I love it. I think the way that they are able to you know certain things happen in breaking bad you know x characters aren't in breaking bad so you would assume that something would happen to certain characters but they play off that they play off that you always think okay well this character's not in breaking bad so is he gonna die now then he doesn't die and you're like okay then he doesn't die again maybe yeah i mean and it just plays it plays off of the fact that you're expecting something to happen to this character and now it gets to the point where you never know where it's going to happen, which is awesome. And then you have that surprise. So, yeah, it's that's what I think is genius about it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was worried about. And you kind of think of there, you know, there are quite a few movies that, you know, either have a spinoff or a prequel to, you know, an already existing series of movies or some franchise. But I think and I think we brought this up on our Rogue One discussion a couple of podcasts ago. But uh, Rogue One is another example of of really, really great storytelling, even though we already know where the events are going to lead. And even though, you know, within within the Breaking Bad storyline, you know what's going to happen to Saul Goodman, you know, or how he factors into that story. But but seeing how he gets to that point, it's fascinating. It really is. It's been a great show. So, yeah. Um, but so but anyway, so with that said, uh, I wanted to bring up some movies that I watched uh, a, a month or so ago that I didn't uh, I didn't bring up on our recent podcast episode just because I, I wanted to have some time to discuss these. Um, but my wife and I, we watched all four Indiana Jones movies. And it had been it had been a number of years since I've seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, I and I've seen I've seen I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade at least a dozen times before in my life, and I really enjoyed those movies. Uh, Temple of Doom, I I honestly can say that I maybe had only ever seen that twice before. I rewatched it now, and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull I had not seen since I saw it in theaters. So this was the first time that I sat down and watched it since it'd been in theaters. And um, dude, these movies are really good. They're they're really good. And it's and it's really fun to see kind of the those early years of of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and their collaboration together on a character that they created, obviously inspired from so many other different um, things from their own childhood and, you know, characters that they grew up with. But but creating this Indiana Jones character and and these movies and how campy they are, because they really are. And they play off kind of the campiness of who Indiana Jones is, you know, the sound effects, the fighting, the punching, you know, the dialogue, but man, they're so good. They really are. And it just kind of, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, in some ways it kind of made me sad, uh, for what once was and now isn't because these movies are there. Um, there, you don't really find movies like this in Hollywood anymore. You know, and and other things kind of get close to it, maybe at least kind of in certain similarities. But um, no, Harrison Ford as as Indiana Jones, and he said he has said in multiple interviews that you know he is Indiana Jones. Without him, Indiana Jones doesn't exist. He's also you know said that he he has enjoyed and preferred the role of Indiana Jones over say Han Solo. Um, you know, uh, as opposed to 
you know, what a lot of fans would think, oh, yeah, he probably likes Han Solo more because Star Wars is a bigger franchise. But um, anyway, some of the things I just wanted to ask you, though, um, one, I want to know what is your favorite out of the four? Um, two, um, obviously, there, there's there been a lot of news in the last few months about um, uh, Indiana Jones uh, uh, number five and that Steven Spielberg actually has stepped away from the project. Steven Spielberg has directed all four movies before so this would be the first one that he doesn't direct if they actually end up making the movie and then i think it was uh was it james mangold that they tapped yeah. to uh, yeah, at least yeah. at least that's the rumor that they've reached out to him to see if he's i read something it, on so. reddit i think it was today or yesterday evening that it's confirmed but i i haven't seen much on on twitter so i'm not sure where we're at with that but i saw something on reddit that said that it was confirmed you know, and Harrison Ford is approaching 78 years old, I think, if he's not already 78. You know, so he's definitely, um, you know, he he's aging. He's not a spry guy anymore, is he? Right. And the Indiana Jones character, I mean, he's, you know, he's like this adventure archaeologist. And a lot of the stuff that he does, I mean, it requires some level of energy and ability. Um, um, but uh, here, and before before you answer the questions I just said, though, I just I wanted to say this. Um, number four. The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has gotten a lot of criticism, and rightfully so. I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the weakest. Be, I, I mean, and my, my, I'm trying to between Temple of Doom and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm not sure what would come third on the list for me in terms of my favorite. But um, up until the, all the alien stuff, you know, when they're actually like, you know putting the skull back in the Aztec temple or wherever they're, they're at, you know, then it kind of turns into a spaceship and all that crazy stuff. Right. Um, I really enjoyed the movie and I think it, it is very Indiana Jones within the storyline, the plot developments, the interactions between characters, Harrison Ford's dialogue, bringing back uh, the Marion character, I think was brilliant. It really was. And I enjoy Shia LaBeouf. Uh, in that movie i thought he was a really good addition having indiana jones have a kid but that he didn't know about i think i i I just all of that worked for me the only thing that i didn't enjoy is just kind of the ending i mean and i know i mean for people you know you don't have to believe in god or or religion or anything you know uh to watch the indiana jones movies but obviously those originals at least at least uh raiders of the lost ark and um um the last crusade are all based off of religious mythology and relics, right? Things that have to do with, uh, at least Judaism and Christianity and, and, you know, to people who might not be God believing people, those might seem as far fetched as aliens. Okay. So, um, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I did not hate the kingdom of the crystal skull. And I think it might be overly criticized, but, I thought it. I thought it is on par with Temple of Doom. So, with that said, tell me, tell me what is your favorite. Tell me your thoughts on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and what you think about a possible fifth Indiana Jones. Cool. So, I like um, my favorite is is the original. I like Raiders. Um, I, for me, that I well, it's always that's the best one. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, the Last Crusade. I like the like I like Sean Sean Connery's character. I enjoy that kind of banter that they have. I find that was quite good um addition to the film but for me the original will always always be the best raiders yeah. um yeah. yeah 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 it's raiders so so on that front that, that was quite an quick quite an easy answer for myself in regards to where the crystal skull is i think i i sit on your camp probably about 90 percent um it, the alien stuff for me 
I agree completely with, and I think um, on the whole, most of it was actually quite entertaining. But I do feel there were some areas where um, it was it kind of went to be quite silly when, say, like Shadow Booth was doing the um, the Tarzan swinging on <laughs> swinging on the vines and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, just yeah, felt a little sure. bit too silly. Yeah, um, and yeah. when he like survives the uh, nuclear bomb by getting into a a fridge and then oh throwing. you didn't like that oh i, I <laughs> no. thought that was genius i mean that's yes me, it's so just... far-fetched but i i enjoyed it but keep going yeah keep going. that's fine that's fine so <laughs> that's why just those little bits of that were a little bit kind of like eye roll moments so that's why it just takes it a little bit off but i i i felt like watching it the one thing i said the one thing obviously we spoke about again yeah i remember i remember you said it in one of our recent things about how star wars looks like star wars but doesn't feel like star wars and i think with the crystal skull if it still feels like Indiana Jones, there may be some areas where it's a bit not great. The story's not great. It's a bit far fetched. But you watch it and you feel like you're watching an Indiana Jones film. Kind of like I guess that... I guess kind of like how the prequels st- prequels stack up to the original trilogy of Star Wars, maybe. Yeah, yeah, because they have that essence that these films these films bring. So I I enjoy all all of the films. I think they're they're all very good. Uh, but Crystal Skull for me would would be the weakest just because. Mm the end will always leave a sour taste in your mouth and the end is obviously a very important part to a, to a film. So that's, yes, that's kind of where I, where I sit with that. Um, in regards to kind of the recent news, um, like I, Mangold's, Mangold's the man, right? Yeah. I think he's really good. I think it's a shame that Spielberg's not getting involved and, and I'd kind of think a little bit if Spielberg's not involved. Don't, I shouldn't really, they shouldn't really do it um, because it could lose that essence that I've just spoke about. But Mangold is a really respected director. He, he he seems to care a lot about his films and getting things right. And every film that he has done has has always been like really good. He got Wolverine right that that feeling of Wolverine, especially when he took over the character of Wolverine. Obviously, he didn't. Brian Singer brought Hugh Jackman's Wolverine into play, etc., etc. But he managed to capture it, and not only capture it, but actually give us the, some of the best Wolverine we've ever seen as well. So, so I think it's in capable hands and the only issue is uh, is Harrison Ford being so old and also that they introduce a son with Charlotte Booth but I think Charlotte Booth is kind of MIA when it comes to acting well yeah and that's that's kind of the thing is like what do you do now I mean the Shia LaBeouf just kind of get just kind of get erased from the story or, or he, he becomes an academic and he's in school he's not an archaeologist you know I mean who knows I mean, the reality is if if they were to start production and filming now you know this year by the time the movie comes out Harrison Ford's going to be 80 years old this is going to be probably the last Indiana Jones movie he could ever mm-hmm. do you know so i don't know yeah you don't you don't want to leave a bad taste in people's mouths regarding Indiana Jones you know at least worse than what was already done with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull <laughs> yeah so, no i agree yeah. and you got you got to wonder why Steven Spielberg is not really in it you get you get the 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 publicity messages but there's always there's always deeper roots to stuff like this, and sometimes yeah. you can't help question that maybe he's thinking the ship has sailed here. Right. I've got my name on the line a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a great point. That's a great point. But all right, Ryan, I'll turn it over to you. I know you've got some films that you want to talk about. Cool. So obviously, we talk with the films we recently watched, and as the listeners will would know, I've been um, hammering home the the Marvel films. Um, I've watched 
all the films since our last thing from um, Captain Marvel. I've kind of mixed up the the order a little bit so that we could watch Thor Ragnarok to lead straight into Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, but we also watched Ant-Man and the Wasp and then completed that uh, Thor, Endgame, Infinity War and then also uh, did Spider-Man Far From Home. So completely smashed those out. Um, and also have recently watched the release of Hobbs and Shaw, which I won't go into too much because that film is just dreadful. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that film. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about on the whole is probably mainly two things. But I do, I do want to spring up one more time. Like I'm so disappointed with with Thor and Hulk. Like for the end of how the the the, the Marvel phase ends. Like yeah, Hulk just gets such. Like Mike, this is something that Lauren really notices. Why he just gets such a bad treatment? He like loses all the time, and he never gets any redemption. So that's something that's sad. But with Thor, it for me, it just well, dude, in Thor, Endgame. Thor is so good in Infinity War. He's so good in Infinity War, and he's so bad in Endgame. Yes. <laughs> but like, he's so bad. It just doesn't. It's just annoying. Like in Infinity War, when you really watch it, like he's destroying he's like doing like what captain marvel's doing he's flying around like destroying those ship after ship after ship that are releasing those weird um creature animals do you know what i mean and like he does nothing like that in the final in the final battle they have no, to wait yeah, for captain not, marvel not, to not come even and destroy close. that not even close like he's not flying he's not flying around so yeah so i just want to reiterate my, my disappointment there with that but on the whole loved it brilliant it's something i think we're all of this era very lucky to have experienced these films all coming out, love them or hate them. It's it's an experience that people younger than us will watch on DVD, will watch on Blu-ray, but they won't ever be able to be a part of that hype. And that's and I think that's something that we're, we're very lucky to have been a part of. So um, the the focus though that I want to focus on and speak to you about, Andre, really is 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 Spider-Man. I don't think we've we've really spoke about Spider-Man too much i think we got over it but i'd like to really get an understanding on on your feelings of how spider-man tom holland spider-man compares to the amazing spider-man but more importantly the sam raimi spider-mans because for me sam raimi got spider-man perfect i think spider-man 2 is is a is a when you go back and revisit that film you really understand how amazing that film actually is and watching the the homecoming and then most recently far from home they feel like they feel very childish. They feel very quite childish, in my opinion. And I'd like to see what you think, if whether you agree with that, and how how you feel about those the Spider-Man in the Marvel universe. And I knew we were going to talk about this uh, on on today's episode, you know. And and I've I've recently I did my Mar- Marvel marathon, and so I've seen both of the uh, MCU Spider-Man movies, and um, it's been it's been a few years since I've seen you know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Um, but I remember, I, I have vivid memories of those coming out in theaters and going to, to see those movies with my friends. I mean, cause I was, I think I was a senior in high school uh, when the first, when the first one came out, I think, or maybe the second one. So I could have been like a junior in high school when the first one came out, but e- either way, uh, those were really awesome movies. And, um, and at the time, you know, the, you know, the, kind of the superhero genre 
uh, was really in its infancy. I mean, obviously, I think we had X, uh, the first X-Men movie in 2000 or 2001, and then we got the Spider-Man movies. You know, but but these movies, I think, were so culturally relevant at the time that I, I honestly look at these as what, what really sparked the, the big superhero war between studios, you know. And I, I think really the only criticism that these movies get is maybe the age in which Spider-Man is portrayed, you know, to, uh, to, I guess, more relevant to the comics, you know, Spider-Man is usually in high school, a little bit younger. Uh, but outside of that, I think these movies are, have, are well-regarded among most fans. And, um, where I really feel that Tom Holland's Spider-Man gets bogged down is honestly just, just how it's, it is, fully connected to the MCU and that it struggles to stand on its own as a single movie. Whereas other movies, other movies within the MCU, like black Panther, um, really do well as standalone movies or even Dr. Strange. I think outside of the grander scope of the MCU, these are really good single movies but within Spider-Man, you still feel like you want to know what's going on with the bigger picture of the MCU instead of a focused movie on Spider-Man. Iron Man's involvement in Homecoming, I think, has a lot to do with that as well. Um, and then and then Iron Man, even though Iron Man is dead, Iron Man still is like the shadow over Far From Home. You know, and they, and they even talk about, you know, being the next Iron Man. You know, he even gets Tony Stark's plane to make his own suit. And, you know, even though they play it off as a joke and he says, play uh, Led Zeppelin, it starts playing ACDC, you know, or whatever, he, you know, he get he Tom Holland or Spider-Man in the movie gets him confused, you know, just to kind of show his age. Um, but it's all Tony Stark still. So I just I think what really bogs the movies down is is Peter Parker's inability to stand on his own and to really be kind of the, a standout hero, whereas in the other Spider-Man movies, even even Andrew Garfield's movies, you're not worried about a bigger story or other superheroes kind of encroaching on Spider-Man's territory. It's all about Spider-Man and see, and you know um, it's unfortunate that Andrew Garfield's I think got, got canceled, even though, you know, that second one is not really a great movie. I really enjoyed the first one. Um, But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Tom Holland is one of their most coveted actors that they have. He has already said publicly, I will be Spider-Man as long as they let me, you know, but um, just imagine, dude, imagine when Sony, because I think everything is leading up to Sony bringing in Tom Holland to appear as Spider-Man within their, you know, Venom Spider-Verse that they're doing or whatever. What was that? It was called, isn't it called like Spunk? Oh, I don't know. I heard people that like taking the mick out of the name because it's like it stands oh, for the acronym was right. just this yeah, was like the, the Sony Cinematic Universe of Spider-Man or something like that. Yeah, just something ridiculous. <laughs> but but just imagine, imagine if Sony does bring in Tom Holland and they make a Spider-Man movie separate from the MCU, and it's better. I mean that 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 it might be seem far fetched because the MCU is held on such high regard and people think that his Spider-Man movies are so much better than anything Sony does, which I disagree. Um, but I don't know. I, I it might it might kind of give a, a different flair to Tom Holland and being Spider Man. But yeah, tell tell me I, your thoughts. Well, no, yeah, I like I like everything that you just said. Like I completely agree. I've, um, he does get massively bogged down with the Marvel things, and I tried to watch these films. 
with putting that to one side because that was always my gripe with with homecoming uh, and I felt that in far from home but well, I wonder if you agree with this is I put a tweet out yesterday got some reactions to it but people are agreeing so it was nice about how that it's weird like I like Tom Holland I like his Spider-Man I feel like he's got one of the weaker suits out of the suits that we've seen but it's fine it looks like Spider-Man I like the villains. I liked. I think Michael Keaton was a brilliant vulture, and Vulture yes. was good. Yeah. And I liked Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, and I thought Mysterio is good. So as I like question myself, I'm like, so why, so why do I walk away from these films, not loving it? I love the main character. I, I love the villain, and I tried to break it down. And I was like, right, Sam. When I look at Sam Raimi's films, and I look at every character, every character gives you something to care about. And if I look at Far From Home and uh, Homecoming, every character in it has no backstory other than other than Spider-Man and his backstory is bogged down by Marvel. If you look at Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, Mary Jane is has family issues. You know, she struggles with her dad. She has an acting career, which she struggles with, which gains traction, but then loses it. And she has to go back to waiting and she can sing like and she's it like went out of harry and stuff like that then you look at harry his best mate he has a dad that's a villain who's rich who he always looking up to but can't because he's not as smart like him and he has then he becomes a villain he tries to be his dad takes over the company has such a, a rich background you have aunt may see her lose love of life and then having to raise peter himself herself and get it right and get it wrong and help him and you see her go through the loss of um of uncle ben sorry and like you look at it, and you look at all the characters in it. They've got such like such great like great stories that you see through all three of those films. And then you look at Far From Home, and he has two different girlfriends, which he switches between. You don't even see he MJ in it. He doesn't even give two looks to in the first film, and in the second one, it's a love of his life. And and you well, don't. Well, she's you only haven't... called MJ. Her her name isn't even Mary Jane. No, which her I think is so. Jane. The, the why they did that, I will never understand doesn't make yeah. sense to me it's weird like yeah i completely agree i that's try, just trying to force something in there but you understand that she's kind of a bit witty oh and then in that flash sorry man i didn't mean to interrupt but flash 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 is not oh. even like like a big athletic imposing person when that's what he's supposed to be yeah you know? like it's weird why have those characters if you're not going to have those characters at least at least they never had harry osborne they created like they had ned so at right. least with that, like, I, hope, I imagine they're probably going to introduce Harry at some point when they, because I suppose they probably didn't do that because if you introduce Harry Osborn, you've got to have Norman Osborn. But uh, but you look at those the side characters, you know nothing about them. I can't, right. you can barely even remember their remember their names. Like I don't even know what Ned's surname is. You don't know what his background is. You don't know his family. You just know that he's Spider Man psychic. Like he's got no and like even then he's got no skills and like his aunt is like. She's now fallen in love with John Favreau's character, and that's come out of nowhere. But again, you don't see her go for any real loss. She's barely in it. You don't see her have right. any real, real struggles. Right, with and I don't even, I don't even think the name Ben is even mentioned, even in the two movies. No, exactly. Yeah. And like, and the fact that like her first boyfriend could be um, happy, and they they make a joke, and it's all fun about how that like, oh, she's getting a boyfriend. Where for me, like. Spider-Man should be like having a serious conversation with with Happy, and they could that could build some sort of relationship between them, where he actually turns around and instead of it being joking and Happy being the serious boss guy to him, it's flip reverse, where where Peter's like, 
you don't know who you're replacing. Something a bit, it's got a bit more weight to kind yeah. of show that there was someone in their family before, someone that made Peter who Peter is, and why yeah. he's Spider-Man and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're just disregarding any real weight, and it just makes it feel like it's just very childish. Even with like the score, I like Michael Giacchino, so apologies, but even the score is just all happy and lightweight and no real emotional depth to it. And any emotional depth for it is, oh, I'm happy, we're happy, everyone's happy, happy, happy. And I just think it's bad. I don't, I don't think it's good like for for children to watch stuff like this. I think it's like, oh, it's made for kids and stuff like that. But the Tobey Maguire films I watched as a kid and they inspired me. They had serious tones. And I think serious tones in superhero films are, is good for kids. They're, they're inspiring. They give you a feeling of, real world struggles and stuff like that that they overcome and that when you grow up you can overcome stuff if everything's just always really kind of happy and the music's happy and it's all jokes it's just it's just not for me so that's a, a, a bit of a rant there but that's no, just how man, I feel I appreciate that because I think you brought up incredibly important points um, and, and now that I mean you mention it they seem glaringly obvious now um, but yeah man, the, the, the ancillary characters the side characters within spider-man's universe i mean these are because uh, you, you kind of equate i at least when i think of dc and marvel you know and you think of maybe the most iconic comic book characters and within the world that's created within these iconic comic book characters uh the batman universe and the spider-man universe i think are so rich and have so much so much wealth to draw from and so much uh richness within that universe that y- you really can create an awesome movie from what is available within comic books you know that not using that stuff does not make sense so mj not really being mj you know not having gwen uh in there either is confusing and you know i mean yes i understand okay they want to introduce spider-man it's going to be right in the middle of you know the MCU things are building. They're introducing you know in Civil War, and I liked I liked Spider Man in Civil War. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, but you know, but you Aunt May is intricate within Spider Man's growth and development, and within his life in the in the um, in in both both Spider Man uh, uh, movies with with Amazing Spider Man and Tobey Maguire Spider Man. You know his relationship with Aunt May, him wanting to protect Aunt May. And and his loss of Uncle Ben and his Uncle Ben is, you know, essentially who inspires him to do what he uh, to become what he does become not having those in there. It, it, it and you've and they've essentially replaced Uncle Ben with Tony Stark. Tony Stark is now the inspiration for Spider-Man's motivations yeah. as a superhero. And and none of that feels it, 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 it just doesn't feel it's good within the MCU because it makes sense within the MCU and how they built up Tony Stark's character. But within Spider-Man's universe, it doesn't make sense. It would could you imagine telling a Batman movie without ever ever talking about his parents' death and then using someone else say, I don't know, say say, say Alfred died and it's Alfred's in, you know death that inspires Batman to become Batman essentially. You know, it just wouldn't even be Alfred. It'd be like it'd be more like Superman's death. (laughs) I mean, it'd be more like Superman's death inspiring. Like, yeah, exactly. And and like you just reminded me, not to like go on, but like Aunt May, you see him her find out that he's Spider Man, and again another moment of 
she's already lost one some person that she loves she you know what i mean she should be terrified to have someone else that she loves that she's looking after a child going in fighting do you know what i mean but realizes that he has to do it because he's the only one who can do it now we'll, we'll just gloss over that the next time you see it is she's parading him to make char- money for charity like yeah. a celebrity do you know what i mean and you're just yeah. like every bit of depth that they could give they gloss over gloss over uncle ben's death gloss over the fact that she finds out she's probably, like just to just to build up the the mcu and i think sony could make a mistake from that because if they do end up having to move apart from it people might be too accustomed to it being mcu and it might end up becoming another failure but they have got morbius they have got venom and if they if venom continues to be as successful as the first one was and morbius does all right then they might be able to move them across into something else but we'll see but yeah, yeah. that's my that's my rant and thanks for uh chiming in man well it's good dude it's good i i appreciate you sharing your opinion because i know it's something that's really important to you but uh um yeah later later on i mean maybe you know with uh spider-man 3 coming up or or maybe with uh venom 2 coming out we'll 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 revisit these spider-man discussions so (laughs) yeah man Okay, cool. All right, listeners, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic and our last topic, but that is the announcement of the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Okay, well, listeners, uh, we are here at our main portion of the podcast, and I just want to introduce uh, my buddies who I have on the call. Um, Ryan uh, Nevin from Life Films uh, is back. Hello. All right, how's it going? I was going to say I want to say good morning, Ryan, but it's actually good afternoon. What time is it there for you? Uh, it's coming up to three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> okay, we're just gonna go, and then we'll 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 go uh, um, a formal since you're you're closer to Ryan than we are. Uh, good morning, formal. How's it going, man? Morning. <laughs> good morning. What, what, it's going all right. What time is it? What time is it for you? Almost ten a.m. now. Yep, almost ten. Uh, on my second cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> very good very good um it's almost eight o'clock here in utah uh so that means mikey good morning good morning it's almost 7 a.m for you <laughs> almost 7 a.m here in sunny california um well, and this is kind of what happens when uh we try to get the, our group together it's uh can be challenging sometimes with the many different uh time zones that we currently reside in but uh for for today's discussion, uh, I I felt like it was it was necessary that we needed to get the group back together, um, especially for uh, yeah the events that occurred last week. So just just a quick recap, listeners. Um, last week on Wednesday, um, and so I, I'm recording this uh, Sunday, uh, May twenty fourth. Um, Zack Snyder uh, and, and he announced uh, that he was going to do another uh, live streaming watch party uh of of man of steel so he did one what was it just last month he did one for batman v superman yeah in april yeah Yeah. um and so uh this one was a little bit interesting because we all know that we're coming up on the seven year anniversary of man of steel but that's not until june and so Mm -hmm. he was doing this like a a couple weeks early um so anyway but he announced he was going to do another watch party uh, with director commentary of man of steel all on vero um and uh ryan and i we were able to join live formal i think i think you <laughs> i think you still joined didn't you or you were still I, I know you were at work but uh, i think you still uh were, were on the chat right yeah I, w- I was just uh having i listened in but that's it nice nice well and, and mikey yeah. i think uh i think you were tuning in uh every every now and then when you when you got a chance because you were working too weren't you 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my AirPods in and I was able to sneak a couple listens while I was uh, trying to be productive at work. <laughs> <laughs> and this, so I mean, it, it was it it was um it was a fun uh, commentary. It was cool seeing you know Snyder bring up his storyboards and kind of you know adding uh, bits of detail that we had not known previously about um man of steel just kind of some fun things i don't know if you guys remember anything specifically that stuck out to you i think my my mind was f- really focused on the potential of what was to come after he finished right. the, the movie um but i do remember some fun things like uh so feora was one of the main bad guys from krypton that you know superman had to fight and uh we all know that <clears throat> that towards the end of the movie um you know, she gets sucked back into the Phantom Zone, and Zach revealed that his intention was that she was always going to be alive. You know, for a potential mm-hmm. rematch with Superman or someone else uh, down the line within Justice League or something like that. But uh, are there any other fun parts of the commentary that you guys remember? Or some cool things that he stuck out, or that he said that stuck out to you guys? That was the um, when he spoke about the the empty uh, box in the ship at the beginning. Oh like yeah. Just point, yeah. Even like just pointing that out, I hadn't really kind of something I'd really picked up too much on, which was cool. Um, but yeah, that was good. To be honest, I struggled. I struggled with it a little bit listening to it and watching the film. I got too engaged in the film, and then every so often I realised that I wasn't listening to what he was saying, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to kind of like focus back in. And I was just getting saying, "We're just kind of a good film." He's obviously I love the film. I was just getting to, and I haven't watched it in a while, so I was just getting just started just watching the film, and I was like, "Oh, oh crap!" I'm supposed to be listening to what he's saying. Yeah, no, that's really funny because he, uh, Zach Snyder himself, he did the same thing. He he would you know be talking and all of a sudden he'd go silent and then a couple minutes later he's like oh sorry I'm just watching the movie <laughs> no that's really funny yeah no I I remember him saying that to uh, um, Ryan about I think and I think I think he even hinted at possibly that he left that open ended uh, for a possible introduction of Supergirl um, or maybe I'm confusing some other Twitter chat that was going on because a well, lot of people were like thinking. Oh, that could be Supergirl, right? There, there was a prequel comic that got put out for Man of Steel that made it that that scout ship did bring Supergirl, and she was the last survivor, and it ended with her like walking off into the snow, you know, ten thousand years ago or whatever. So oh, you don't know what happened because of that, but I don't know how much of canon that comic book is, but. Yeah. yeah, I also think that at some point, like way before, obviously the CW took it over, but I think like there was a rumor at some time that like the Supergirl TV show, when it was on CBS, was supposed to be like also a spinoff of that. That's where that went. Obviously, that changed uh, drastically since then, but that, I think I read that like back then that that was a rumor that that was going to happen too. I mean, there were so many rumors going on back then. I remember one. That once that comic book came out and Supergirl, you know, walks off into the snow 10,000 years ago, people were saying, oh, and she starts the race of Amazons. That's where Wonder Woman comes from. So Wonder Woman's part Krypton. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've never had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so everybody wants something to happen. <laughs> Ryan, that's so funny, man. I see you rolling your eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> I didn't come up with that theory, right? Oh no, I know you didn't. Don't worry, man. I think you didn't. Right, you looked like that uh, Tony Stark meme when uh, from the first Avengers film, <laughs> when he just like sits there and he like just goes, Ugh. like that's what you just did. <laughs> that's really funny, man. <laughs> Gotta love the fans. So anyway, so I think I think most people most people 
that were tuned into the uh, Vero live stream were enjoying the commentary, but really, really were just wanting to get yeah. to the end to see what was going to yeah. happen, right? And um, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan, you, you, me, and Formal, we were we were chatting on our Twitter group chat, you know, and 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 you were kind of getting uh, worried. You were like, "Hey." Is he even good? He's like, I think you said something like, this is going to suck so bad if he doesn't say anything. (laughs) Because it did. It kind of felt like toward the end, because he was, you know, eventually his wife, Debbie, joined him on the chat. um, And and they were just kind of talking and talking. It was just them two. And uh, and, I mean, did you, I mean, tell tell me about like, what what were the moments where you felt like maybe something is not going to happen? I think when all those people like came on and had no idea who they were and then they were talking for ages that's when I felt like this is going to suck because I was listening to a bunch of people I had no idea about and they weren't really asking many questions that I was too interested in yeah. until obviously the the um the woman at the end asked them the, the Snyder cut question and there was it was weird because there was two parts of me where I thought he's given an answer now that suggests it's not going to but he was very very tactical with his words did you hear what mm-hmm. he said when she asked he said he said like some of the lines of well, if it was up to me to get it out, this is what I would... You know, I mean, he was very much in the sense of like talking about how that he has no control himself of getting it out, yeah. which is very, um, which is quite tactical. But I don't know. When Cavill came on and he was on there for so long and they were asking the questions, I was just like, how have they not announced it yet? And he's been on <laughs> for so long and answers questions. And I, was just, <laughs> and I was worried. I started to worry that it was just Henry Cavill's appearance was again... Was, was going to be the exciting thing. Do you know what I mean? That right, was the yeah. thing. Because I was really happy with that yeah, big smile on my face. So well, so, well and great. so, yeah, so I'm going to back it up just a bit because before before all the random people who we later learned were fans and supporters of the release of Snyder Cup movement were invited to be on that chat and ask questions with, uh, with the Snyders, um, Henry Cavill popped on and nobody was expecting that i think uh, the internet did a, coll- a collective just gasp like holy crap it's henry cavill because out of all the all the main cast and actors of justice league um henry cavill is essentially the only one that has never vocally and publicly shown and given his support for Snyder's version of Justice League, and he didn't yeah. even tweet, did he? When when it when it really blew up that day, and all the no. actors all that got, and he didn't he didn't do anything. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. That so yeah. Last year, last year, November seventeenth, the two year anniversary of Justice League released into theaters. Um, that's when the release of Snyder Cut hashtag was trending worldwide on Twitter. Um, I think it, almost almost a million tweets. Uh, including it got to number one trending, didn't it? Oh yeah, but it, it was number one trending for hours on Twitter. Like, I mean, it was like a massive event. But that day, um, obviously, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, he's been the biggest supporter out of all of you know the actors. But you know, out of all the actors, his career is the one that hasn't you know taken off in the way that you know Gal Gadot or or Jason Momoa's has. And I mean, right. obviously, Ben Affleck. I mean, Ben Affleck's already a well-established actor, but but. Momoa's been very vocal, Gal Gadot and then Ben Affleck both retweeted or tweeted release the Snyder Cut. But yeah, Henry Cavill, man, he was the only one that still uh, had not done or said anything to show his support. And a lot of people were thinking that, I guess there have been a lot of rumors that Henry has not been happy with the way that his character has been, has, has gone or the way that Zack has taken his character. Um, and so 
because of maybe those creative differences, people were, you know, talking rumors like, oh, well, he doesn't want to see Snyder's cut. So so the moment Henry Cavill popped up on the chat, I knew something had to happen because there's no way that there that Henry's going to be on there just to, you know, hey, guys, how's it going? Um, but anyway, anyway, so Henry Cavill jumped on and then, you know, we had we had a slew of of other people again at the time that seemed random but we later learned that we're fans um and then it happened man it happened we we got the announcement that so many people been waiting on and so many people thought would never happen um that Zack Snyder uh has gotten the green light to uh to finish his cut of Justice League and yes I say finish because there is still work to be done I think he's getting 20 to 30 million dollars uh, worth of yeah. financial support to finish it. I and which and my assumption is I think most of that is going to go to visual effects. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, but um but yeah, I mean guys, we got it. We freaking got the announcement of the release of Snyder Cut. It's actually happening. I I mean the, I, what 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 was your guys' thoughts the moment that you I mean it was confirmed that Zach Zach himself confirmed it's happening and it's happening on HBO Max. Yeah. I mean, I was I had to stop once first when they brought Henry Cavill out. That was exciting enough. And then they said they had some more people joining him. My first thought was like, Oh my God, they're bringing the whole league on here. They're getting all oh. the actors. Like, that would have been, been amazing. But uh, you know, they had the actors and I'm sure it must've been scripted that the last girl they had asked a question. Cause I'm sure every single one of those, that was the first question they all wanted to ask. Yeah. Like, when the hell's the Snyder cut coming? Yeah. Well, so uh, yeah, that's the, I actually kind of thought about the same thing where I was like, okay, they probably, he Zach said, "Okay, I'm inviting each of you on here. You each get to ask one question or something like that. And maybe they said, okay, if you're gonna ask that question, you go last.' <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But just like <clears throat> once she asks it the the question, and you know, he put, I don't think Zach Snyder is the best actor in the world. But you know, he tries to play it off and say, oh, okay, I guess I can just show this, and they show the poster and just the the coolest thing about it is that something that you know, started with one tweet back, you know, right after the first Justice League or Justice League came out in theaters could grow into this movement that actually did something, you know, that actually studio eventually listened. And they're not just saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to release everything that he has and you guys can see it. It's not going to be finished. Maybe we'll throw storyboards in to fix, you know, they're letting him finish the movie. They're giving them 20, $30 million, whatever it is to finish the movie. So it's just exciting to see his story as he wanted to tell it. And I'm hoping that he sticks with his original story and isn't like going to change some stuff. Cause you hear, you read articles that, Hey, he's getting all the cast come back to do reshoots. And then the next day you'll read an article that says, no, none of the cast are coming back. It's just going to be what he shot already. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan formal. What about you guys? What, what was your reaction? I mean, did you guys, did you guys ever think that this was actually going to happen? Did you think, okay, yes, it probably will happen, but maybe 10 years from now, like what, was it surprising that it happened? I mean, within two and a half years of the release of the, the theatrical cut, what, what was your guys' reaction? Go for you first. Um, I think like, I think, um, my reaction is like I one I really like obviously directors cuts in general I think that they're better like versions of the films obviously yeah. because yeah. it's the quote unquote true version of it so like obviously I was I was excited on that note um, and I was surprised that it took I guess two years I don't think I've been a, a 
a big supporter of the movement as you, Andre, but I don't know <laughs> too many people that are. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm glad that it happened. Um, having said that, like I messaged you guys, I think, and I tweeted out as well, I think like this whole director's cut thing, like it's happened before. So I think the difference is that the speed that it happened, which I think is is amazing in, in essence, but... Yeah, so I'm excited, but I also try to keep it realistic. So, Former, when you say that it's happened before, because we've had this conversation before, like, so I don't know the ins and outs, so you maybe have to educate me a little bit, but obviously there's there's been a, a phenomenal amount of money raised to promote a lot of stuff as well. Like, there was thousands of pounds then donated to, to kind of suicide prevention charities and stuff like that. So when you say, like, obviously people have, have um, fans have said that they wanted a director's cut and, and it's eventually happened. Has, has it been to the scale of the point where there's been like a considerable amount of money being raised to actually promote a like the campaign? Has, like, has it no, been to that I, level? There, to, to my knowledge, I don't think it's been to that level. Um, I honestly forgot that that happened with um, this whole movement. I, I was out of it for a while. Um, but like I know oh, it's been done before in the sense of like there has been fan campaigns to release director's cuts before and for sure it takes longer and yeah and so i think that's where i'm like this type of thing has happened before in the sense of um there even if like the money if you take the money thing out of it like the way this was kind of campaigned obviously twitter makes it a lot easier for movements to happen i mean we look at this then we look at what happened um in a non-movie sense what happened in egypt a few years ago like i mean this is i guess the point of twitter is to get this whole uh everyone's voices out there so like this does obviously make it better um on that aspect but that's why i say it's like uh it's happened before because director's cuts and fan campaigns have happened this is just a new way of doing it um which like i said i like that it happened it's just i'm not like over as hyped about it as i know other people are that's cool <laughs> right so what about you man what was your what was your reaction to this so, were you we surprised were you surprised that it happened or were you expecting it to happen We've had a lot of conversations about this, and I will say that I'm, I'm happy that it's out. And I, but I'm, there's a level of surprise because I, I like to try and look at things from the business perspective. And Warner Brothers have are starting to gain a bit of traction with stuff like the Joker, and they've got Batman coming out. And it seemed like to me that it was something that they might have wanted to put behind them. Um, and them doing this makes a lot of people happy, but it makes them look doesn't make them look great um, in the grand scheme of and it can make them look even worse depending on how much the film changes um, and will show how much of a input that they actually had on like the original version that we saw. So for me, I was putting putting that kind of business hat on. I felt like the like just taking the heat and it would would eventually go would may have been a better thing just to kind of save face as a company. But I'm glad that they didn't. I think that they've done. I think that they've done the the right thing in the end. I feel. A lot of us have invested money and, and time into what Snyder was creating, his films, and bought their DVDs, gone to the cinema and stuff. And I think it was very unfair for us to to not get to see the conclusion to his his story that we had already invested two thirds of our um, two thirds of the time into while while we went to go see Justice League, which is a waste of our time. Um, so <laughs> that's so that's why for me it was. 
I'm glad that it's happened and um and yeah that that's kind of my overall views on it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I I'm continuing to learn more about is just kind of the the structure within the organizations of of the now owned Warner Brothers um um and Warner Max Media uh, now owned by AT&T. So, I mean, cuz AT&T recently acquired Warner Brothers, which owns the DC properties. And uh, obviously, one of their big initiatives uh, after this acquisition was to release their own streaming service, because that's that's where that's where every studio has already headed or is heading. And Warner Brothers is, uh, I mean, essentially they're they're kind of playing catch up right now after Disney Plus, you know, was released last year. Um, but um, that because this is the trend of the industry to have your own streaming platform, to be able to put your own uh, catalog and library of movies for, for your viewers on this service. I mean, obviously Warner brothers, I'm not sure if there's any other uh, studio out there that owns uh, the rights to as many movies as Warner brother does. I mean, goodness, I can't imagine what their catalog on there is going to look like on HBO max. But, but some of the things that I've been reading is that within the creative divisions in the department heads, um, you know, you have uh, you have Warner Brothers and Ann Sarnoff is now the CEO of Warner Brothers. Um, but Toby, uh, what's uh, Toby Emmerich, his his official title, he's like creative, uh, at least creative director or something like that, where he he kind of essentially has the power to greenlight projects for Warner Brothers and new movies and stuff like that. Um, and he's been directly involved in the DCEU. Um, but then you have then you have HBO Max. Which it's own. It is its own department. It has its own directors, and it has its own creative team. And and I I have no doubt that without HBO Max, and and the the project that this is to have Warner Brothers and have their own streaming service, that Zack Snyder would not be having the opportunity to release his cut on HBO Max without this streaming service. It, it just it, it there's no way that this was going to happen because without it. They they would have to put it back in theaters, and I at least at this point I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and so because we have a new platform, because we have a new medium in which to 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 consume content, um, this is something that they can do and relatively cheap. I mean, twenty thirty million dollars that's not that much. I mean, compared to what what did they spend after the reshoots with Joss Whedon on Justice League three hundred million I think on the theatrical cut of Justice League. So. Um, HBO Max plays a very critical part to having this release. And especially, I think, those uh, creative heads behind HBO Max knowing we need original content. We need something big to attract subscribers. We know that there's an audience. uh, That that, uh, The Hollywood Reporter article... um, that came out right when uh, Zach announced, you know, the cut of his of his Justice League, um, said that the most tweeted about movie ever for Warner Brothers is is is, is Zach Snyder's cut of Justice League, which is a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's insane. I mean, that, that statistics like that really, I think, prove to Warner Brothers that there is an audience for this, and and the audience has, is pretty passionate. So, um, I was, I was really excited. I mean, yes, you guys mentioned I've been pretty involved in this, but, uh, I mean, uh, to the extent of that, I've purchased, uh, a few of the t-shirts like the really society cut t-shirts, uh, which mm-hmm. in part has gone to support, 
um, kind of like those campaigns and projects that they're uh, that they've done at uh, San Diego Comic Con and the New York Comic Con, you know, to put up billboards and stuff like that. But also, and they've always made sure to say this and and kind of show them giving the money to AFSP or the um, American uh, uh, American Foundation for Suicide Pre- uh, Prevention. Um, that mm-hmm. whatever campaign that they've done, they've given half of that money to to the charity, which I think is incredible. And I think having that attached to the campaign has really um, um, help to overcome a lot of the other maybe negative sides of this fandom. <laughs> if I can say it nicely, because I mean, Hey, in every fandom, there's some, uh, there's some bad apples, but um, anyway, yeah. So I, I've definitely been pretty involved in this, but um, I'm, I'm excited it's happening and I'm really surprised that it's this soon. So <laughs> I, I honestly thought it probably within, I don't know, 10 years after the dust is settled, you know, people aren't as crazy uh or passionate about what's going on in the DCEU but yeah man it's freaking happening and I'm stoked I'm stoked <laughs> It's exciting man it's going to be uh Yeah it's crazy you know I honestly thought that um the Snyder cut was going to be something that came out like you know like the Donner cut like of Superman 2 like years and years down the line right. eventually someone would buy the rights from Warner Brothers and be able to release it or do something like that but I mean it's been three years since Justice League came out and they're saying like, no, we're going to put out another version of this movie. And they did that with Batman v Superman, but they did that with like the home release. And, you know, like that happens all the time. There's, Oh, you know, extended edition. Right. When you buy the Blu-ray, but they're redoing like, you know, you read articles about, Oh, only about 20% of what Zach was Zach. What he shot is in the movie. It's only about 20% or something like that. Yeah. Um, or some people say there's only 10 or it's half, whatever. But there's going to be a lot of that movie that's different from the version that we saw. And now, what does that mean for the future of Warner Brothers? Is that going to be is that going to be the definitive Justice League now? Does it matter? Um, are they going to try to move forward with these characters? Because, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, she technically still... It's it's very confusing, it's, it's, but who knows? I, well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, and this is uh, this is something I want to get into as well. Um, so I, I'm definitely looking for your guys' opinions on this because uh, that that that's one of the bigger implications I think for what's going on with Warner Brothers and the DCEU because we, I mean, the the biggest characters that they have right now that are still making movies is Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Both of, both of their first movies were highly successful. Um, mm-hmm. both were fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is, uh, uh, not, not something that doesn't happen very often within the, the, at least the, uh, Snyder verse, uh, of, yeah. you know, DC movies. Um, <clears throat> but, um, uh, and especially, especially with the, the more recent release of Birds of Prey, which was a massive financial flop, you know, so really the two biggest, the two biggest, uh, characters that they still have moving forward is uh wonder woman and aquaman but these these characters and these universes within those movies are still tied directly to what Zack snyder was doing and building for the dceu so uh it i mean he casted both those actors too (laughs) oh for sure for sure so i I mean uh, and a lot of this is going to be speculation you know uh, and until until we actually get to see his his movie or whatever it's going to end up being, whether it's a movie or or miniseries on HBO Max. Um, however that comes out, if it is successful 
if it draws a lot of subscriptions, if HBO Max sees that, wow, there is a lot of demand for this content, they're not just going to stop with Justice League. You can't think that they're just going to stop with his right. version of Justice League. I mean, what? So what? So what? Right. I mean, we know we know what's coming to HBO Max already. We know we're going to get a uh, Green Lantern um, series, and I think this is going to be part of the J.J. Um, Abrams and Bad Robot production company. At right. least that, that's what I've 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 read. But you know, so we are going to have DC content on there. I'm just what 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 is your guys's expectation? What do you think will happen if it is proven to be highly successful? Referring to uh, Snyder's cut of Justice League on HBO Max. Well, now AT&T is tweeting a bunch of crazy stuff. Do you guys follow them? <laughs> yeah. Like People are yeah. saying, does this mean that Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman? And they tweet out like, oh, who knows? You never know what could happen, which is, you know, right. the easiest thing for anyone to say because they're not saying anything. But just the fact that they respond to a tweet like that. But I think they're just trying to build momentum for it. Um, but I think it has to be it has to draw subscribers for anything to happen. And this is the part where the release to Snyder cut movement really has to step up because, okay, you campaigned for it. You, you, you had airplanes fly over Comic-Con. You had billboards put up. Don't pirate this movie. Don't steal it from somewhere. You have to subscribe because that's where your support is going to truly show. They're not going to do anything if those numbers don't jump up. So this is where the Snyder people have to really put their money where their mouth is, sign up for <laughs> HBO max and watch the movie. Well, I can't get it in the UK. Oh, well, I, I, for, by the time, I mean, uh, the the HBO max streaming service is about, it's going to release in three days. Uh, May 27th is going to be the, the U S release. And I, and we know that HBO max does not have the international footprint right now, but kind of like Disney plus, I assume it eventually will. I mean, cause when Disney plus released last year in November, you guys just recently got that right, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, you, we got it like a few months ago. Uh, yeah. March, March, it was uh, really like two months ago. Yeah, and so we already know that Snyder's Justice League is not going to be available until 2021. Without a doubt, there will be some way to make it available by then. I, they're, they're well, not... they, we we have, um, as you've heard, I mentioned, we've got this thing called like, Sky over here, and they, they supply all of the HBO um, and a lot of stuff this side like over here so i have confidence even if hbo max doesn't come over here the snyder cut will still be available on there because they have a lot of contracts to supply the uk with with this stuff and that was the issue with disney is that why disney couldn't make its way over here is because it had agreements with sky to show to be exclusive disney content in the uk so that's why disney had to wait for that contract to to terminate before they could actually bring it over here yeah Uh, but we still got disney stuff over here over so i can't i can't it will still make its way over here one way or another do you guys not think that yeah eventually they'll release it on blu-ray or something because you know netflix has exclusive content yeah yeah. you can go to target stranger things on dvd you know like they have to yeah but they're they're gonna milk it though they're gonna milk they're gonna milk it and and try to build up as you know many subscribers as they can to see it only on hbo max before they release it i imagine probably within a year after um right they'll they'll make a hard copy available it is it it will be for this whole purpose will be for subscribers yes the amount of subscribers that they will get will be worth so much to them like you you see about all the data they show about how disney is how many subscribers that they they've had like they will they will 
they'll get that overnight with the, for the Snyder Cut, like just because people want to watch it. It's, it, it is very clever for them to to, to put it on there. Um, well, it will... it? Oh, sorry. Go on, mate. There you go. No, I was just gonna say it's just like with how many people had HBO for like Game of Thrones and like that, because I think like they like if you have it now, like it transitions over if i'm correct i'm not 100 percent with that but that's why i've read and also andre you mentioned that as well but it's like because obviously game of thrones had this huge following aside from a few people on this um (laughs) (laughs) uh it, it it basically like was like one of the most streamed shows ever right so how does like a company grow from that because or at least significantly enough to where that's i'm not saying it's not gonna grow but significantly enough to where it's like a hundred percent like worth it because it was just so much i don't know if like more people are gonna buy their own accounts or whatever or that password sharing or whatever but i feel that like hbo had so many followers already and because it's a like almost a roll-in like you could say you have now so many subscribers now but then it's like what is that different from what it was before you know but i think if you were to take that and look at say like disney plus for example have i think some last time this i don't say this is fact but i think the last time they announced it was something they had like 25 million subscribers it it was just uh, under 30 million yeah where where netflix has something what like 250 I, or like 300 yeah. million subscribers yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, think I think it's like i think it's that. closer so i think like, it's closer to like 100 140 million i think so okay so obviously because netflix has like obviously the, I mean, the hundred millions no, of yeah, subscribers. They, they are the king of of streaming services right now yes yeah yes, they are. so i don't know for a fact but i i, I would put it out there that hbo in regards to get their streaming service for the hbo max and uh, people have already signed up already or whatever will not even touch where Netflix has got. And Disney were already saying that how many people they've acquired in such a short time is a success. And that is like a tenth like, of the amount that Netflix has. So I, as much as I think that they're probably already successful with the Game of Thrones stuff, Netflix shows that there is still a massive amount of people that they, they, they can acquire. Um, and that's what they'll be wanting to touch. Then those Netflix numbers and the Snyder Cut will, will push them better to that. So yeah, so well, I, and this I, I looked this up before before we started recording just because I, I wanted to understand the details of what what HBO Max is and how it relates to those who maybe already have an HBO subscription. So there are two ways right now, well, three ways in which you can you can consume HBO content. If you have if you pay for satellite or cable, HBO is a channel that you can add on whatever service that you pay for. You know, so if you, if you're a Directv. Mm-hmm customer or a comcast customer or whatever it is you can you can request hbo as a single standalone channel and say i will pay whatever amount a month to have hbo added to my satellite or or cable subscription if you pay for hbo that way they hbo allows you to watch things on demand and on the go through hbo go Okay, so HBO Go is not an added service. It's just if you already pay for cable or satellite HBO subscription, you can use HBO Go to download that app and and sign in and watch HBO that way. If you were like me, yeah, exactly. It's through your cable provider, right? If you are a cut quarter like me and you don't pay for satellite or cable and you only pay for subscriptions, you can sign up for HBO now. So it's essentially 
all the same content that HBO has, but you're not going through a, ca- a, a, a cable or satellite provider. You are going directly through HBO. These are not the same subscription services. It when when HBO Max comes out, if you if you pay for for HBO through a satellite or cable provider, it is not included. HBO Max is a separate. It is a separate paid for subscription. Okay. Mm. If you have an HBO Now subscription and you are already signed up for that, this will roll over into an HBO Max subscription because essentially it's going to have all the same content that HBO has plus their catalog of uh, in library of Warner Brothers movies. So so that's that's how it works. So so there is there yes, there is a lot of rollover that's going to happen, but there's also a lot of people that already consume HBO but not through the paid subscription through HBO if that makes sense. So um, mm-hmm. but the the thing the thing about streaming services and this is the point I wanted to get into is that Original content is what these services require in order to attract new people. Okay. That's what I was about to say. Yep. On Netflix, the only place that you can get Stranger Things is on Netflix. And yes, now, I mean, years later, they have right. released Blu rays that you can go out and purchase, right? But th- these are shows exclusive to a streaming service. For Disney Plus, if you want to watch The Mandalorian, you have to sign up. Well, unless you're Ryan. You have to sign oh, up, up a spot <laughs> for Disney Plus, and that's what I mean. HBO Max has to create an incentive for people. You can't just say, "Hey, guess what? We have this large catalog of all of our movies. A lot of movies that a lot of people probably already own, but right. you have to create something unique, something special, something people can only get on HBO Max." And so, I think they dropped the ball a little bit. I think. They should have had this conversation with Snyder years ago to say yeah, we want it because can you imagine how how much those subscriptions would have jumped up if at launch day you can have the Snyder cut boom right there on March what is it or May May twenty seventh whatever it's known if it was available if he yeah. said on his live stream oh yeah in five days you guys can see the finished cut we we've, we've been secretly filming it. You imagine how much their numbers would have jumped up, and now for it's like, sure. oh, we have to wait till. And there's not even yeah. a date; it's just 2021. We don't know when it's coming out. It could be December for all we know. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there, okay. There's a lot of logistical stuff that goes into this. I, I for uh, from things that I've read, uh, the turning point in all of this was last year's release of Snyder Cut event on Twitter. That that mm-hmm. single day event is, and especially when you got the support of Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. And others, and it wasn't just them. I mean, there are a lot of other celebrities and other influential people that were saying, "Yes, let's see it. Come on, Warner Brothers, right. do the right thing. Let's see yeah. the cut." Okay, um, I, I just I, it, that feels like the turning point. And if that was the turning point, that was mid-November, from what I've read. It was February when Warner Brothers and Toby Emmerich reached out to Zach and Debbie and said. How can are you guys interested in this? Do you want it to happen? How can we make it happen? So now that's February, right? So we're just talking, you know, barely two and a half, three months later. And then coronavirus happens. I mean, there's 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 a it's lot the of world stuff. World killer, exactly. And so, you know, if the coronavirus was not going on right now, I think yes, we probably would have the chance to see it later in the year. Um, but 
at this point, you well, know, who, actually, who I knows? read some stuff that's interesting though is that the coronavirus has actually helped the uh, the Snyder Cut situation. Yes, on the visual effects yeah. side, definitely on the visual effects side yes. because they're struggling uh, struggling for work because obviously a lot of the the production has gone on hold now and stuff. So yeah. the uh, post effect stuff. So with this, it's obviously a lot of the uh, actual filming's taken place. So it's allowed them to utilize uh, a lot of the staff that they've had there going with, without work. So. Like that's I cool. think that's for me. I think that's really really cool, right? For I think sure. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, like something good finally coming out of something pretty pretty bad at the moment. So yeah. Okay. So but okay. Th- th- and again, this is this is really what I want to get into. And again, uh, uh, listeners, this is speculation. But I I I feel like this there there is a lot riding on the success of this of this Snyder's Justice League, and in terms of what it's going to mean for the DCU moving forward, and perhaps even a lot of new DC content being created for HBO max. If this thing is successful, what is Zach's involvement going to be moving forward? Are we going to see more stuff? Are we going to see more movies? Is there, are they going to, I mean, if, if justice league comes out as a miniseries and people want more, you got to think HBO max is going to want to create more, right? Right. So, I I mean, so, so what I mean, and the rumors are that Henry Cavill right now is closing on, you know, uh, a a new contract to continue to play uh, Superman. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of demand for like another Man of Steel movie. Um, But I mean, do you think Snyder is going to continue to be involved with uh, DC or the DCEU? Or is this a one and done? You you, like we're going to let you get your cut out and then cut ties. What, what, What is your guys thoughts? Um, for me, I think that and I've always thought that Zack Snyder is, um, would have been better in kind of more of a Kevin kind of Feige kind of role. I think he's a, he is a really good director and he's a really good visionary. Um, but I think he gets a bit, a bit carried away. I think he has a really good vision, but it, if he gets people working with him and I think that's why maybe Aquaman and Wonder Woman were, were accepted better because they were somewhat still his vision, but created in a more friendlier way. Yeah, no, um, those were, and those were definitely collaborative efforts between all those directors. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And I think if he could maintain doing something like that, I, I would massively be game for it. And the, um, and I hope that's the case. And I think if justice league does show to be a, a success in whichever form it, it gets, um, the, the side cut version gets set out, then, I don't see any reason why they, they shouldn't. It will show that they've kind of made a bit of a mistake and that they can they still have time to put things back. They've only released a Joker and they could do Robson Pattinson's Batman, but they haven't gone too far in. They've still got Wonder Woman on its way out, Aquaman two and Shazam and stuff was was good and they're doing more. They could they can they could bring it back. Um so it might everything not might just be resting on on this film and, and how it goes. And I think if, if it bombs and people end up hating it, uh, still and it hasn't saved um saved it then it might give warner brothers their uh their decision making process to make it a bit easier for them to understand okay we just need we do need to abandon the dcu now like even this massive thing that everyone wanted people haven't enjoyed let's just go on to doing our solo films but if it's if it's successful then yeah i think we definitely will see it i think i've it would be make sense too formal what do you think man what do you think i mean what what's what's the potential for Zack snyder continuing to be involved in in future dc projects honestly for me like i don't i honestly don't know no matter even like because what i've been seeing like on social media there's a lot of people are still hating the fact that this is happening one and then two there's plenty of people who say oh it's still going to be crap 
And any of those people are going to watch this movie and they'll find some reason yes. to hate it. Yes, because they've already and, made up their mind. So, they've already made up their mind, yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what happens. So it's like the people that I feel are going to like it are the people that honestly made this happen. <laughs> and so it's like I I don't know how much is going to go forward because of, because of that. And at least in the true vision that he wanted, like with the, unless he's really trying to push this, the whole, like, I guess, trilogy justice league that he wants, um, which he may keep pushing for. Like, cause you have like all these collaborative people on the, um, like you guys mentioned the other films. And I think that could work. It would actually, if they really wanted to do like cinematic, like, uh, extended universe type of thing, but then like justice league is only on HBO. So it would be different from what the MCU is doing because obviously everything is in theaters where, when, especially the Avengers movies. Right. So like if they kept it like that, then that keeps a separation of one, um, I guess, uh, the Zack Snyder stuff and they can keep doing kind of the individual, um, like feel to it but kind of just kind of keep the i guess the overall story but then they can also get more subscribers because that will get more people to go see the Zack snyder stuff on hbo max or wherever they choose to put it um i think if obviously if they open it up on the cinematic that would create that but i think like with the dceu they need to step aside from what marvel's doing and not just be repeating the exact same formula. So I think yes. like if they able if they if they can deter from that and then just do something completely new, which that would be, then Zack Snyder can stay in on it and he doesn't have to like uh, put as much work in all the time and just do each individual film. And he can be similar to what Rye was saying, a Kevin Feige type of person who has or producing of these uh, stories so that there's an overall arcing story, but then. Um, they can still be individualistic. Yeah, no, and I think that's a really great point because that's what kind of got that's what got Warner Brothers in this mess in the first place is because they were it, it was essentially they were in catch up mode. Let's get our cinematic mm-hmm. universe out there, you know. And when when I, I mean, and you can kind of see you can kind of see those elements even within Batman v Superman, you know, like when Wonder Woman's going through the the computer and all the catalog of all the different heroes. It's just like, <laughs> like okay, that. That 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 seems so forced. It seems so forced. Like, hey, he, hey, everyone, look, we've got our heroes too. But anyway, they um, exist. No, yeah. but Formal, I think you make some really great points because, uh, I mean, what what we've seen so far is that, it, it, I think a, what I've heard a lot of arguments against it is that, oh, people will be confused. How can you have two different Batman's? Well, we have two different Jokers, yeah, and, and and I mean, even though Joker didn't necessarily appear in the Birds of Prey movie, Birds of Prey has nothing to do with the Joker movie that we got last year with Joaquin Phoenix. And people understand right. that. They don't need to be explained to or told that these that these movies aren't necessarily related, you know? And so, I mean, yes, even though we have the Batman coming out with uh, Robert Pattinson and stuff like that, I, I, I don't think people need to have their hand held to understand that you can have two different, you know, cinematic universes, you can have two different Batmans, and that these stories can exist within our world at the same time, but also in two different cinematic universes. So, um, at this point, I'm still sticking with my Nightwing theory until I'm proven otherwise, a hundred percent. Oh, oh that, that Pattinson is Nightwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Even even after I we've been shown I the have... suit. <laughs> well, that's the thing because Dick Grayson has been in the suit. I think that would work for a story in the sense of the Batman is something that he's trying to like really put honor to. I think that would work. Some like I've show I showed you guys some of the images match up. Um, the only thing like I would Mikey pointed out the 1990s thing, but there's no guarantee of that as of now. Right. right. <laughs> so. Um, and I think that's why I'm sticking to. Yeah, yeah they've got the recast for the whole of this. I'm just saying, I think it's a theory that could work. (laughs) Uh, It could work, and they could easily just like replace it, um, or and do like a flashpoint thing eventually. I don't know, but like I, I think it could work if they chose to go that way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, at this point, I think there's. I, I honestly feel. I really honestly feel at this point, everything's on the table. A lot of it is going to depend on how successful Snyder's cut of Justice League is on HBO Max, what those mm-hmm. subscription numbers are. Even if even if Rotten Tomatoes comes out and says, "Oh, it's terrible," if it is financially successful, I think I think Warner Brothers now understands there is demand for it. And if and if that demand really shows, I think Zach does have a future within the DC and potentially even the dceu let's get into this though because mikey i know i know we've got we've got about 10 minutes with you left um ryan you wanted to bring this up but one one of the things that that i think is very significant about this news and and we'd be doing it uh some injustice if we don't talk about it is that what this what this really means for the industry obviously we've talked about what it means for dceu uh, but what what this means for studios and especially studios uh, studio executives and how they view their directors, I think this is going to have a massive massive ripple effect uh, in the entire industry on how on how directors and filmmakers are looked at, on how they're treated, and and essentially what this could mean for future directors' cuts. Obviously, uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad is what is being talked about right now. <laughs> I mean, it's like immediately after Snyder's Cut was announced, people were like, let's do Suicide Squad now. And there are specific reasons for that. Um, obviously, this in, in no way, shape, or form is this related to... This is not in the same vein of, let's release Colin Trevorrow's cut of, of Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> this isn't the same thing because there is no cut, Right. And there is, right. even if JJ has an alternate, you know, people were like, release the JJ cut, you know, of of what episode nine could have been for Star Wars. The the situation that, that Snyder and even David Iyer find themselves in, I think, is so unique and different because they both shot entire films. The film, the footage is there. And from what we understand, most of the visual effects work is already done, especially for Iyer's film. Uh, at least what I've read, and I think more details are going to continue to come out as more people push for his Suicide Squad cut, is that w- really at the last minute, Warner Brothers came in and changed that movie. That movie was done, and it wasn't until the backlash of BVS that they came and changed a lot of stuff because that movie came out the same year. and Within yeah. within a number of months, we had Suicide Squad. So that movie was done. It was done, and it wasn't until the backlash of BVS that they changed that movie. And so... um I guess Ryan and I know you have you have uh, some some thoughts and opinions on this, but yeah, let's. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on what this could mean um, for Warner Brothers and for the industry moving forward. Uh, well, since obviously you mentioned me a few times, there I go first on this one, man. Mm-hmm. I think that um, for me, 
like I like Air a lot, and I'm disappointed I never got to saw see his vision. Um, so it's not about him personally that I feel that this shouldn't be something that we see all the time. As I've said before, the the reason why I'm happy that we're getting this director's kind of cut of Snyder's is because we know so clearly that we did not get a conclusion to his overall story that we had invested many much of our time and money into, um, and it was supposed to be t- to conclude all of it and then we got something that's completely different and that's why i think it was unfair for us as viewers to not to not get that closure where with the suicide squad there was never really like that that vibe as a one and done sort of film um there's no level of closure and and yeah and the studio made a mistake in it and it sucks and they they should learn from it and they should trust the um their creators more and the vision that they have instead of trying to um, put their fingers in and, and mess things about because they're trying to guess what what the right thing is um, so I agree that it shouldn't happen but I also disagree that I don't feel that the fans should have so much power where they can just keep on if they don't like something that they can campaign there's always a massive amount of people that will not like something and if they start campaigning and doing this stuff and it just builds up this pressure it will will start having loads of different versions of different things and it, for me it just it just shouldn't be the case like i would i would be really really sad if say tenant came out and it was still good but that customer <laughs> said oh there's some stuff that warner brothers told us to leave out <laughs> and the next thing we know is there's a massive thing over it yeah you know i mean a massive campaign built over it because people want to see like it may not be the same don't get me wrong but it's just when you start giving that power it becomes more and more and more and then where does the book stop to the point where it starts to just tarnish to like tarnish everything i just I, I always worry about stuff like this it, it can get out of hand <laughs> quite quickly well ryan i'm going to disagree with you but i i want to give formal and mikey a chance to uh to add their comments as well Good. yeah I, all right yeah um yeah, I'm going to disagree too right just because like i think the situation for david ayer is so different um like and i feel like dc fans and the fans of these characters realized what happened that warner brothers was just trying to keep up and redo what marvel studios was doing so they thought that okay these people fans like this about marvel movies we got to make our movies more like that oh it's too dark or it's too whatever dc characters and marvel characters are completely different things and the directors seem to understand that and that's that's what i'm more excited about to see their original vision of what these characters from page to screen can be not Let's put in more jokes because people laugh at Marvel movies or whatever. Let's have a an true adaptation of these characters and of what the director, if he shot the whole thing and then they had to go in and do some reshoots, it's already there. Like, I feel like his cut was more complete than Snyder's cut. So I think just to say that, hey, we knew what we knew what movie could potentially have been. We got a movie we didn't really like if it's there. Yeah, sure. Why not show it to us? Do I think that it'll be as successful as the Snyder Cut? No, not at all. Because, you know, Suicide Squad, like, that was that was supposed to be, like, the whole, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing from, from Marvel. Like, people don't really know these characters, but this movie's supposed to get us in line, and we're, we're going we're gonna to like these people more and more. So will it be as successful? I don't think so. But do I want to see it? Sure. Why not? Because I love all these characters, so I'd love to see some more stuff. So you, but to kind of retaliate to that, Mike, like you don't know yeah. that David A has done a good job. Like I hated the Joker before. Every, like the, he, <laughs> from my perspective, the way he looked was was offensive. Like that's my opinion. 
So I'm saying, right, like, right. you don't know. We don't know that the Snyder Cut is, and we don't know this stuff. And and if people keep on going, I don't like that, so I'm going to campaign. One, it will water down situations where it is really important because we know how massively things happen with the Snyder Cut in general, and we've already invested a lot of stuff. It will water that down. But also, like, we don't know what these secret things are. And if people just start assuming that they're better and we should start campaigning, it just, for me, it just opens up a... a a big can of worms of people just go, right. so I didn't like that. I'm going to campaign to, to hope that that's good. And then what happens if that comes out and that's worse? Then what, that's ha- what happens yeah. then? Like what happens then? Like it just, it starts to get out of control. Like you, we get a film, you get invested in if, it, if it's not very good, then it, it is sad. Like the studio should think, but, but then like you move on the studio, hopefully learns from the mistakes and you move on. But if it just keeps on getting to this point where people keep on going i don't like that so i want this secret version that i hope could be better <laughs> like it could be worse like it, it, honestly it could For, be, formal could be worse. let's formal let's let's hear your thoughts so i have to like disagree as well and in the sense of like i don't i think this can lead to i guess less studio manipulation yes and i think that's where it should be because like if i mean snyder's case is a little bit different because he obviously had that tragic uh, situation which but Warner Brothers took advantage like, of? Maybe... Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, even if like he if he didn't have it and they manipulated it and we still got like they they fired him for some whatever reason and whatever, we still got this um, justice cut. And I think like that's where the problem is when it comes to like filing for director's cut because the same thing that happened with Suicide Squad they cut a lot of things i'm not saying it's going to be a better film but it's not what the director wanted and that's where i think directors do attempt always to give the fans what they want um in the sense of trying to show the characters that they like um if it's a new character then they have obviously a little bit more experimentation but when it comes to like wonder woman when it comes to batman there are obviously certain things that are very true to the characters if like legitimately if we had a first Batman film and the first thing we see is, um, I don't know, uh, uh, Thomas Wayne shoot Joe chill. Obviously that's going to be a, that's not Batman. Right. So, um, unless you're doing the flashpoint story and then that's a whole nother thing. But I think, I think they're going to be doing like, if they keep the directors, um, unique, then we're going to get what the director wanted. And there's not going to be a need for another director's cut, you know, and then, I mean, this show the positive of fan, uh, I guess, um, outs, uh, fan campaigns outside of this. You look at what happened with the Sonic movie. Like, had they kept mm-hmm. it originally, like, what that looked like, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a debatable, like, a success. Like, that movie, I don't think it was great and all, but it definitely looks better, at least from a Sonic perspective. And it definitely feels true to Sonic. Um, and it's not a bad manipulation in that sense, but if like somebody, if a director says, "Oh, the studio um, cut like s- almost fifty percent of my film," then what we got is not what it is. And I think like that's where film cam- um, fan campaigns can be good, and we get those cuts. But if the studio doesn't manipulate from the start end, then we don't need those cuts, and then those campaigns wouldn't happen. See, and I think I think a, a, a good example. Um, of this is like, or at least the difference is, is you, you look at what happened with The Last Jedi and the fan backlash that happened with that movie. The difference between that movie and, say, even Iron Suicide Squad is that that is the movie that Ryan Johnson intended to make. Exactly. That's his movie. Yeah. 
That's yeah. his movie. Even though fans didn't like it, that was his movie. But he but, can't put out a different version because right there, because there is no different version. There is no different version. But right? then, but then right. that's, but then that's your, that's your dream though, Andre. And you, you guys have said <laughs> where the director gets complete control, and there's no art. The studio have given him complete control, and they're not controlling an overarching look and feel. And everyone who hates that film is because there is no con- control over him, and he has gone completely rogue. Right, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's always going to be the best thing ever, but I would right. rather see the original vision rather than a room full of suits saying, no, we we think we know what the people want. Exactly, because you they're, know what it leads to? They're not the creative people. Because what it leads to is what we got with episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'd rather see, even if it's worse, even if, even if David Ayer's Suicide Squad is worse and it goes even farther out there and I don't like it at all, I would still rather the director be able to say that's exactly the movie i wanted to put out if you don't like it then you don't like it but that's it to exactly. have someone yes. say that i shot a whole movie and then they made me change things and even like people who have quote unquote bad movies like like andre said that's the movie they wanted to put out they're not saying well it's because i had to reshoot everything like these two scenarios are completely like they're in their own little world that these directors shot their own shot shot their vision for the most part and then a studio came in and said this is how we want it to get put out and we're funding you so you have to do what we say and if you don't then we're going to bring in joss whedon to do it for us right and i think i mean and this might be more recency bias or at least in my my consciousness of what i've noticed have been some of the more bigger fan outcries or campaigns um what happened to Star Wars after The Last Jedi? That was massive. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending of Game of Thrones season eight. Uh, that I think <laughs> I think a lot of people were really upset with that. Um, yep. And then obviously Snyder's Justice League. Um, but but yes, and I and that I think essentially is the the main difference is that with with Star Wars or with Game of Thrones. Those were the movies that the filmmakers intended to make or the TV show, the story that they intended to make, you know, whereas, yeah, with with Suicide Squad and Justice League, it, it's just not it's not what they intended. And yeah, I, I and I I just want to reiterate again, Mikey, inform what you guys said. There is no guarantee that they're going to be better movies. There's not. I mean, it's just yeah, no, I mean, but but at least we will say, down. hey, we got we got your true vision and we don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look at man of steel. I mean, I know everybody here likes that movie except for one, but I won't say who that one is. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's me. Yeah, I'm going to admit it. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'll face it. I didn't want to call you out. <laughs> I'm fine with that. So man of steel, I mean, was a reasonable financial success, but you know, it's rotten tomato score. Isn't the best. And there's a lot of people who don't care for that movie. Zack Snyder isn't saying, oh, I have a better version of that. That's the movie he wanted to make. Yep. That's the movie he put out, and he's happy with what came out because he had his control. He had his directive freedom on that movie. He's not saying, oh, there's a Snyder cut of Man of Steel so he can try to make more money or get a bigger or a higher Rotten Tomato score off of that. We're only talking about the movie that was taken away from him in the development process. Right. Yeah, right. I, like I think the Snyder cut deserves to be out. Like... It's just my worry is the kind of the anarchy that it could it could lead to ex- outside of things. And I think that the studio gets quite a lot of bad stick because it's shown to do some bad stuff. 
But when you look at someone that has complete creative control, look at how George Lucas has been with Star Wars. Like, I love Star Wars. And I don't <laughs> but when there is someone who has got he is runs the studio, he's the director, he's the writer, he's the casting man, he is doing everything. <laughs> look at what happened with the prequels, like and the the remastered versions of the of the originals. Like there has I feel like a studio and a director have to have a balance. There has to be a balance. Right. There, has, there has to be something where a director gets complete control because you get something like Ryan Johnson where he goes completely rogue. There's no overarching story. It turns into a mess. But then if you have so where you have something where the studio is in complete control, you lose that creative genius that you bring a director in for. And that's why I know I sound like a bad record, but that's why Christopher Nolan works because studios trust what he makes. He makes money. He makes good films like and he's earned that respect and therefore he gets complete control over it and it works and i think snyder had that chance with man of steel and he had that chance with bvs even though there was there was a bit of movement he still still had doomsday he still had the death of superman he still had a lot of stuff going on there casting ben affleck when there was a lot of re like repercussions of that and that also didn't do too great either like so they gave him yeah. the chance and so and then justice league they were watching it. He came out. They watched it. They said it was like four hours long. Like it went all a bit mad. There needs to be. There just needs to be a balance. That's all. And I think that if you take away that power that a studio has by running these campaigns and stuff like that, and doing more of them, a David Ayer one, then another one, then another one, <laughs> you then could start seeing it sway the the other way. And studios do offer a a positive part to a to a oh, film here. as well. Here, uh, yeah, let's I think. Yeah, go ahead, Formal. Go ahead. Oh, uh... Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think, like, what kind of the, the Mar like, if not to compare DC to Marvel again, but I think, like, what they do, obviously, they have that, like, the studio obviously has, relatively speaking, full control over it, but I think they do have some uniqueness when it comes to the direction of bringing into it, but they kind of let their filmmakers go with it. Obviously, there is, like, that overarching theme, you have to, like, do certain things, but, like, if you do look, even though I don't like it, as much like with Thor Ragnarok, that movie is very Taika Waititi um, with some of the humor. So it's, but it's still working with this overall theme. So if like DC did something similar to that, and then they're not manipulating the director in like, I guess, uh, cut certain things. We don't like this, whatever. But then if, if they just say, okay, this, we have to have X, Y, and Z things happen. And then, Otherwise, once you have those three things, okay, you have full control otherwise. As long as you get those three things, we're good. And I think like DC or Warner Brothers, I should say, didn't really do that um, from the start. So they kind of just like they had Zack Snyder and um, obviously the Nolan brothers like kind of had obviously input on Man of Steel. But then they kind of just let Zack Snyder go. And I don't think that they had control over where the story was going and i think similarly that's what led to like the manipulation later on um because i think like if they don't have that manipulation that's where the issue is like i've already said but they should have some control like i think rye said as well because you're right you could have a director that could just go completely full rogue and then the like you look at uh what happened with spider-man 3 like he made a bad movie on purpose. Like he didn't make it. He like, he didn't make it good. On like he just said, okay, you're gonna force me to do Venom. All right, I'll just make a bad movie. Um, but it's like if you give them full reign, 
from the start and say, okay, we do need control a little bit just so we have an overarching uh, storyline to go on. But you can kind of make a twist on that as long as you do those things. Then I think the uh, shared universe type of thing can work better. Or if they have like the writers of the films that where they all like kind of work on the same type of thing, like they all have to work together. Obviously, it's a lot of moving pieces, but if you are able to work with that, yeah, it may require more work. But I think like if you're trying to do what Marvel it has done with this huge, uh, what is it, 14, 15 films? I don't remember how many films. 20, at this point. 22? But anyway, 22, bro. No, 22. 22. Yeah, I've, I lost count. I've, <laughs> I've done too many marathons in this set. Anyway, um, anyway my point is like over the – yeah, over that's like even more so. They have this overarching story over the course of twenty-two films, never been done before. But there, there's a reason why it works. So even if you want to do something different, there's some aspects of it that you have to, I guess, uh, embrace from them, which is like working together with a bunch of different people. And if Warner Brothers would be able to do that going forward, great. But if not, then Whoa. it's like, uh, yeah. Okay, here. Let me. Let me. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this. Uh, this was a response on Twitter from David Ayer to just a you know just a, a Twitter user uh, who asked him about the cut. He said, "It is simply not my call or my IP. I love Warner Brothers. It's always been my home studio. I fully respect and support the incredible path the DCU is taking under their stewardship. My cut of Suicide Squad may always be just a rumor, and that's just fine." So um, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and end on what this. I, 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 okay. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Uh, are, do you guys want to see it? I, I say yes, just for the sake of being able to see it. Who, what are you guys' thoughts? I'll co-sign. I say yes, just, just to say that I saw, whether it's good or not, that I saw what the director wanted to show us. Right. Do I want to see it? Yes. Is it the right thing for it to be released? No. Formal. <laughs> I uh, second what Mikey said and what you said. Okay, there or we go. Right. All right, guys, let's let's get some let's just get some final thoughts on um you know just on Zack Snyder's Justice League um and then we'll close out. Um, so uh, formal, why don't you go first? Um, I'm relatively speaking excited for it. I'm not thinking it's going to be the best film ever made. I'm thinking I'm going to probably enjoy it. As much as I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which is, it works, and I enjoy it more and more um, when I watch it. It's not perfect, and but I'll enjoy it because of what the work that has come to it. But I'm not thinking it's going to be a masterpiece of any sort. All right. Formal? Or, uh, uh, Mikey, what about you? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm excited for it. I like Zack Snyder. I like the direction he uh, took with... Um, you know, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Is it traditional Superman and Batman? No, it's not. It's 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 more modern. It's more you know today's day and age. What would happen if these people really existed? Um, and I like that. And I just want to see how he would have brought the Justice League together. I want to see the actual thing. I want to see Dark Side. Damn it! And uh, I love these characters. So I'm always I'm always amped to to see them on the big screen. Well, damn, not the big screen, huh? on mm-hmm. the biggest screen I have in my house when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ry, what about you, man? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm hyped. Uh, I've always been a fan of uh, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. And to be honest, the two main things for why I'm looking forward to it is we'll get the original score back, which you guys know that I was really passionate Ooh, about. Junkie like, XL, uh, Junkie XL, yeah. and it's and it's already very clear that he carried over a lot of Zimmer's work and stuff. So that's really important to me. Um, I'd like to see that, and hopefully they release that as well. We never that's something I've really thought about. Hopefully that actually gets released, like on Spotify or whatever. Yeah, and uh, Andre, I think you agree with me on this. Is the fact that it's like I want Henry Cavill Superman. I don't want what I, I don't want what I saw on that. Like, forget it. Even take away the CGI Tash. Like, so you that, want that wasn't mustache. Superman that we had. Say that again, sorry. And you want the mustache then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want, I want the, the stash. The character that Zack Snyder's built was Superman. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that is what we got in the Justice League. So. Yeah, no, that, that that's great, man. I think you guys said it best. Um, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I just think, I think, and Ryan, I think you mentioned this. I think it's it's gonna feel it's gonna feel like closure and proper closure. Um, even though mm-hmm. even though originally it was never meant for this Justice League to be the closure of the storyline, um, but I, I think I think knowing that that Warner Brothers has made this deal with the Snyder's that we're actually gonna be able to get to see it, and likely, very likely we're probably going to be be even able to see even more footage than what would have been released if Zach was never removed from the project in the first place. That's true. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. I, there's no way that, cause he keeps <laughs> 214 minutes, 214 minutes is he, he keeps referring to that. That is his cut without credits. It's like a three and a half hour movie. There's no way that the Warner brothers would have ever agreed to a three and a half hour movie for his original cut of justice league to be released in theaters. So in, in a lot of ways, I think it, it, there's, there is some, a lot of, there's a lot of positives to see that, that has worked out in his favor that we are going to be able to even to see more footage than what we would have seen had it been released in theaters. And so, um, yeah, we didn't talk about this really, but I'm just curious for you guys, would you rather just watch one movie or cause they're talking about maybe putting it out in like, three or four episodes i think that's stupid i'd rather just watch the movie but i don't know how do you guys feel yeah Same. yeah movie definitely definitely okay. just because <laughs> former what about you movie, definitely movie. yeah i i, yeah, cause I think I, I think i think there's even potential for like a fathom event to have to have it released in theaters for like a weekend hell yeah you know and yes I, oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I would pay. I'd pay for all of this. Man. I'm gonna pay for HBO Max subscription. I'd pay to go see in theaters, and I'm gonna pay for the Blu-ray or whatever that comes out later. I mean, I'm my money yep. is Warner Brothers here. Here it is. So. <laughs> well, AT and T. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun, man. I, I'm I'm so happy that we could find some time to to hop on this podcast and do this together. Um, I really appreciate it. So, um, just uh, uh, departing um, final things. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and and give your plugs on how people can follow you and reach out to you online, uh, Mikey? Why don't you go first, Rye, and then formal? Uh, yep, it's just my name, uh, Mikey Hidalgo, H I D A L G O. Twitter, Instagram find me anywhere talk about movies or whatnot so that's where i'm at cool um so brian from lifeoffilms.com as always just pop over there and read some of the stuff got in there if you want to get in contact all my information's there as well uh yeah formal review podcast pretty much anywhere you can find it um i'm also on facebook instagram 
and Reddit and pretty much everywhere. Twitter, obviously, it's at the formal review. Instagram provide um, my reviews and also trailer reactions, which I'm starting now. So check that out. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys. And listeners, thanks so much for downloading today's episode. Uh, we are grateful for your support. Um, we we hope you're excited about this news, as excited as we are. Um, and if not, hey, still go watch it. All right. Go support this. This is this is a, a great um, um, this is this is a really great monumental moment for filmmakers uh, everywhere. So um, anyway, again, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. The Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Director's podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So many different types of movies we can all choose from. There's action, adventure, animation, and comedy. There's sci-fi and westerns and classics, documentaries. So many options, so much variety. There's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me. So find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.